are Locked On Buccaneers, your daily Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast brought to you in part by Hotels.com. Hotels.com. Don't hate like your friend's trip. Book your own with Hotels.com and get rewarded basically everywhere. Hotels.com. Be there. Do that. Get rewarded. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at BucksNation.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, at DH82 underscore Bucks, and at Bucks underscore Nation. David, it has been a while. It has indeed. Like a long time. Yeah, uh, so long that I got a concerning message from from Brent over at the Petercast asking me if everything was okay, which I do appreciate that he was concerned enough to send me a message on reaching out. But yes, everything everything is fine, and we are back and hopefully back on schedule for the rest of the off season. Yeah, it just it was kind of a you know we've had a couple of those instances recently where you know my work schedule gets crazy or or i get sick or you've had stuff come up and and you've gotten sick and last week was just like like the tornadoes that hit my area it was the perfect storm to turn into a whirlwind of just mess but yeah we are back and we are excited to be back and today david we are going to react to some some stuff that New Buccaneers defensive tackle Indomitian Sue said at his introductory press conference. So at the end of the day, what was the appeal about coming here and playing in Todd Bowles' defense? I think the biggest thing is you you hit it right there on the head, Todd Bowles. Uh, I've had a conversations with him over the last couple of years, especially when he's with the Jets last year. I uh, looked at going there uh, and made the decision that I did, uh, but wanted to team up with him and see uh, what him and Casey Rogers could uh, help me continue to grow. I think as professionals, we always want to find ways to continue to grow and meet great people. And I've met Todd probably like three or four years ago uh, via somebody I highly respect in this game, Jim Washburn. We we all kind of knew that somebody like Bruce Arians or somebody like Todd Bowles was going to be a draw for some of these players. And for Indomitian Sue, somebody who I, I said on Bucks Nation uh, on an article that will post today, he's on the, the back nine of his career, so to speak. He's wanted to play for Todd Bowles for a little while, almost did it last year, and now he has the opportunity to do so, and he's going to take advantage of that. So, you know, it, it does make a lot of sense. I think what Todd Bowles wants to do and the things that Indomitian Sue does well really – are going to mesh. And, you know, it, it's something else that I, that I said in, in my column, which we'll probably get to later, David, I'm not sure what all, what all the quotes you have queued up is, you know, that's, that's what makes it so hard to compare Gerald McCoy to Indomitian Sue is the fact that they're different players. They're different styles. You're not, you know, it's not like you're comparing a, a speed edge rusher to a speed edge rusher. There are pretty glaring differences in their game. So getting here, being excited to be here, to play for a coach that he has a lot of respect for and a coach that he's wanted to play for, I think, you know, was obviously a big driving force, but I think that's also what's going to be what brings in Dominican Sue, you know, how do I want to phrase this? It, it's what's going to make him work a little bit harder is because it's a place he wants to be with people he wants to be with. Right. And, and and I thought it was interesting that he mentioned 
you know, almost landing in New York and, and playing for the Jets under Todd Bowles last year because obviously Ndamukong Sue isn't someone that we really paid a lot of attention to last offseason when he ended up signing with the Rams because he wasn't really rumored. There didn't really seem like there was a need for for the Buccaneers to go out and make a splash signing like uh, getting a guy like Ndamukong Sue onto the team last year. So it's interesting to get that perspective of it because you almost wonder if it was a situation where, uh, because like you said, he's on the back nine of his career. If he said, I'll go to Los Angeles and hopefully win a ring, Versus going to the Jets where maybe he felt like he fit better. Uh, maybe he wanted to play kind of in that style a little bit more. I mean, uh, the Rams, I don't know where they ranked as far as attacking and all that stuff, but I think their defense was was fairly aggressive over the year as well. So it's not like a complete you know night and day comparison probably. But I do think that Ndamukong Sue probably made that decision to go to L.A. based off of the caliber of the overall team and the chances to get to the postseason and maybe the, the to the Super Bowl, which they obviously did. And now coming to Tampa, it's obviously, I mean – we, we all love the Buccaneers, right? But it's obviously not a championship move. Like he's not coming to the Buccaneers with the expectation that this is a team that's going to get you know close to or at the Super Bowl. But it's more of a situation where now he gets to play in a style that maybe fits his personality, maybe that he thinks he fits in more uh, for a coach that he wanted to play for, obviously, even last season. That, that reputation, I mean, when people that don't haven't seen you play on a regular basis, you just know you as a casual fan. Mm-hmm. You're someone that shows up on these lists of NFL's dirtiest players. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that is things that you probably earned fairly early in your career. How do you feel about changing people's minds about who you are as a player and what your reputation should be? I think when you look at people in general, uh, you got to get to know them. You got to get to have FaceTime with them. You got to be able to have the opportunity to interact with them. And so before you pass judgment on somebody, I always take the time to get to know them, meet them, have coffee with them, whatever it may be, uh, and then be able to go from there. Uh, I think when people have seen uh, blips of me, as you mentioned, uh, it's been in uh, a negative light rather than a positive light. And that's due to outlets uh, of media, social media, whatever it may be. And, uh, so I can deal with that because I know who I'm as a person. I know who my parents are, who they, how they, what kind of child they brought up, and it's irrelevant in my life. Uh, I think uh, the people that know me the best uh, see me always in a good light and see the troubles and trial, troubles and tr- uh, tribulations that I've gone through, uh, as any human being goes through in their life. So uh, being on a list is good and bad, whatever you want to continue to look at it as. But uh, I've been very lucky and very blessed in this league to play at a high level, and I want to continue to do that. And this is something else that we've kind of addressed was, yeah, he does have that reputation as a, as a dirty player. Has he made some some high hits on some quarterbacks? Yeah, he did it to Josh McCown back when they were, you know, when he was still playing in Detroit. He's stepped on Aaron Rodgers. He stepped on now teammate Evan Smith. You know, he has made some of these kind of boneheaded moves and, and boneheaded decisions. But as you pointed out, David, it's you know, as he's gotten older and as he's continued to move on, these these instances have become fewer and fewer. And, you know, I saw a video. I can't remember if it was shared in our group chat or if I saw it posted on on Twitter or what. But it was when he was with Miami and they were playing the Buffalo Bills and he had Tyrod Taylor essentially wrapped up. And it's gotten to the point in the NFL, we all know that when the quarterback is wrapped up, a lot of times the referees will blow the whistle. You don't need the, you know, unnecessary contact or or slamming a quarterback into the ground or, or anything like that. They usually call it, he's just kind of dead in the water, blow the whistle. Well, these refs didn't blow the whistle. And Sue, you know, had him wrapped up and and kind of relaxed a little bit because he figured, okay, well, here comes the whistle. 
and no whistle came. Tyrod, you know, kind of spun around and, you know, completed a pass. Well, the very next play, the Bills scored a touchdown. So, you know, Sue was irate, you know, saying, I had him, I had him, I had him. And then he looks to the ref and he goes, all right, well, the next time I'm going to blanking slam him into the ground. But it showed initially the restraint that he has developed because Detroit Lions, Sue, would have German suplexed him Brock Lesnar style into the ground even after a whistle had blown just to make sure that he was down. So, you know, and, and I know there was a certain media outlet that jumped all over that quote and said, you know, they basically painted Sue in a negative light based off of that quote that he was dodging it or, or denying it or whatever their phrasing was. And to me, that's, he's kind of evolved as a player and, and that's part of a maturity process. And you know, he's kind of gotten away from, from that part of his game. The stigma still sticks, but I don't think we're going to see early in his career, Detroit lions level Sue uh, in, in Tampa Bay. I'm glad you brought up that actual that direct play because while I was looking up some stuff about Dominican Sue uh, a while back, I actually found a YouTube video that was basically a compilation of all of Sue's dirty plays and that interaction with the referee where he said, "Well, next time I'll just you know slam him to the ground or whatever he said uh, was part of it." And I remember watching it and thinking that's an extremely slanted view of what you just showed because there's no context to that. And again, and you know the question. You know, the question had to come out. I got it. And we like you like you said, we've talked about it. I've written about it on Bucks Nation. You know, these lists that he's he's been on for being dirty players, they're they're five, six, seven, eight years old. You know, they're almost as old as his career. Um, yet there's some other lists like lists of most charitable athletes in the country um that he's been on since that for some reason nobody really likes to bring up and nobody likes to talk about. It. It's just it's confirmation bias and uh, it's it's all over the place, not just with Indominus Sue, it's with a lot of people. But uh, we 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 as a society tend to seek out the evidence that supports our beliefs, and we don't look for or we don't like to acknowledge the evidence that does not follow our beliefs. So if we think Indominus Sue is a dirty player, and then we look for the evidence uh, that Indominus Sue is a dirty player, even if the evidence in question is you know eight years old or if it's uh, slanted in a certain context. Like there was another clip on a video of an interception. Uh, that happened against the Minnesota Vikings while Sue was playing for the Lions. And during the return, Dominican Sue committed an illegal block on uh, the Vikings center at the time. I don't remember his name and actually ended up injuring him. And a lot of people, of course, Dominican Sue's a dirty player, is a dirty player, is a dirty player. Well, if you listen to the clip during the broadcast, I can't remember who the broadcast team is. It was on Fox. They even stay on there. Now, don't be wrong. The broadcast team didn't do Sue any favors, but they even said on there, this is a new emphasis for this season. This rule has changed. You can no longer block people the way that Sue blocked that opposing player. So this isn't a play that wasn't at one time legal. It was at one time legal. It was changed that very season that this play happened. I want to say it was 2015, uh, maybe 2013. I can't remember exactly. But that year, it was the first season that you could not do what Sue did to that other player. It was the very first year. And not for nothing, guys, Ndamukong Sue is a defensive tackle. Do you think Ndamukong Sue spends a whole lot of time knowing what blocking rules have changed in the National Football League? I don't know how many times a defensive tackle goes out there and does blocking drills or how many times they practice blocking or how many times they, how many hours they spend studying the NFL rule changes and blocking. I don't know, guys. It's one of those things where his instincts as a football player, and at this time he's, you know, 25, 26, 27 years old, 
are going to take over. And if his entire football playing career, that block has been a legal block, it's it's reasonable for instincts to take over. Now, some of the other stuff that he's done, of course, not there's no justification for it. But that's what I'm that's kind of an example. Like you hear him yell at the ref saying, Well, next time I'll just slam him in the ground. Oh, well, that just serves to prove that Dominicsu is a dirty player. No, the full context of it is he's a guy who had learned from his past experiences, tried to make a better decision, ended up hurting himself and his team for that smarter decision. So now he's frustrated and saying, like, you want me to change. I just changed, but now you're using my change against me and my team. It's frustration. Same thing. We just got an interception. I'm trying to get my team, you know, in a better situation, trying to help them score. I'm going to throw a block. Six six games ago, maybe, it was a legal block, but now it's not. Again, he's a defense tackle in the heat of the moment. Uh, made a mistake, but here it is on this YouTube clip saying, this is why he's a dirty player. No. Again, you if you want evidence that he used to be a dirty player, you've got plenty of it. You don't need to fabricate any of it. Um, but there are some things that have, have been taken a little bit out of context. Uh, there was a comment on one Bucks Nation article where somebody pointed out they had two quarterback, uh, roughing the quarterback penalties last year. So that's Evans. He's still dirty. Show me a, a prolific defensive player that didn't have a roughing the passer penalty. Like, come on, guys. Clay Matthews um, had like seven in the first two weeks. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> that's today's NFL. Like, you're you're um, uh, Gerald McCoy had one, and he was apologizing to Ben Roethlisberger as he was committing it. So uh, it, it is what it is. But yeah, I think we've kind of played that to death. But it was just interesting that it was brought up. Um, however, thankfully, during the press conference, his charity work was also brought up, which made me happy. And that's actually our next clip. Well, real quick, before you get to that clip, the only thing that I would like to throw in to to bounce off of what you were saying about, you know, that that block and, and how the rule had changed, and yada, yada, yada. It makes me wonder how many people, how many Buccaneers fans that don't like Sue or call Sue dirty or something like that that were also okay that Warren Sapp nearly paralyzed Chad Clifton back in the Bucks Super Bowl season when there was absolutely no reason to block Clifton the way that he did or at all considering Clifton was 40 yards away from the play yeah. but he decleated him anyway but you know Bucks fans will will point to the uh put a helmet on post game uh, interview or, or moment and say, you know, that's the kind of attitude and nastiness that, that we need. And then they bring in and Sue and, Oh, well, I don't want him. He's nasty and dirty. Like you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Well, no. And you, and you talk about getting to know people and, and I just, this just kind of brought up. I know we're getting a little long on this comment, but, um, there was a comment on that YouTube video that I watched. Uh, for some reason I decided to scroll down the rabbit hole of reading them. And one of the people on there said, I bet this dude kills small animals or something during his off time. And while I'm sure that person didn't actually think of Dominican Sue spends his off time killing small animals, at least I hope not. It kind of shows the perception. That's what Dominican Sue is talking about. Get to know somebody, have a cup of coffee with them, actually pay attention. How many Buccaneers fans really paid attention to what Dominican Sue has been doing throughout his career? Probably not that many because he hasn't really been around the Buccaneers nucleus. Like there's hasn't, he hasn't been a division rival. There's really no reason for it, but rather than killing small animals in his off time, he's actually doing wine tasting in Paris, taking in tennis matches and proposing to his girlfriend. Like the, the person you, you may perceive because of the limited scope of media coverage that a person gets may not be the actual story is, is all we're trying to say. And that's all I've been doing. And we've been doing with pointing out all these other things like the charities, uh, the charity work, like the diminishing penalties, like the this actual relatively small amount of fines compared to other things. And 
uh, you know, the the limited games missed due to suspension, stuff like that, because the average fan, you ask them how many games and how many missed due to suspension, they'd probably shoot out a number near a dozen, you know what I mean? But to find out it's only actually been two might take some people, might might actually surprise some people. All right, well, why don't we dive into uh, the uh, the charity work that, that Sue likes to do. Speaking of leadership, how do you plan to, what are your plans here in Tampa off the field in terms of getting involved in the community? I've always been a big person in the community, whether I was in Detroit, Miami, uh, even in L.A. for the short period of time. But I've spent a lot of time in L.A., so I know a lot of people there. Uh, I've always been a big person to be charitable and, and involved in certain things. I have backpack programs that I've done in the past uh, and then obviously just case-by-case case situations that I can see that I can help and uh, be of advantage to other people. So uh, I'm very open to it, uh, and I have to get my bearings first and foremost before I can uh, start to help. Yeah, so, I mean, we <clears throat> we pointed out a few episodes ago that the same year that Indomitian Sue was voted the most hated athlete in the NFL by the Sporting News, he was also the NFL's most charitable athlete. So, you know, it's it's a mat- just a matter of time before Sue does start to get involved in in some sort of charity within the community. Like he said, he likes to do the uh, the backpack program and and help you know, low income or, or underprivileged kids with, with school supplies and things like that. And, you know, the Buccaneers have done a good job of, of doing things like that. And, and uh, Derek over it at what the buck, you know, he's, he's always been involved with that. You know, the, what the buck charity has, has done school supplies and, and things like that. So there's plenty of things that he can get involved in and I'm sure he will get involved in, but It's just a matter of bringing to light the fact that this is something that he has done everywhere he's been, regardless of what you thought of him on the field, you know, off the field, he was a charitable guy. He was trying to help out people that needed the help, you know, especially with, with kids. So, you know, it'll, it'll be a wait and see approach. You know, like he said, he needs to get his bearings. You know, I'm sure you're moving across the country. You just proposed. So now you're working on planning a wedding you know, the first thing that you're going to do when you get to a new team isn't going to be immediately set up the charity. Let the guy find a place to live, you know, get familiar with the city, get to work at mandatory uh, mini camp this week, and then start to work on the charitable stuff. It'll, it'll come. It's just a matter of time. Right. And something that really stood out to me. So you can tell when, when you have somebody in a situation where they know they're being evaluated by what they're saying, you can always kind of tell when answers are a little bit guarded, when they're a little bit thought out. And, and Adam Kinsu is no different than any other NFL player and having to kind of formulate answers and, and understand what message he's putting out to the media because of how things can be twisted sometimes uh, in media coverage and, and in response through social media and everything else. What I really noticed about this, though, is when he answered this question, he did it really quickly. Uh, there mm-hmm. was almost no reaction time between the question and the answer, and he was just talking a mile a minute as he was giving the answer. And that really stood out to me because that just kind of shows that, you know, when he's, when he's talking about a reputation, when he's talking about his play style, when he's talking about uh, replacing guys like Gerald McCoy, which, you know, we'll get to here in a second, they're calculated answers. They're a little bit slower. They're a little bit more methodical. You ask him about charity and his community work. He just races through it because he knows he's so comfortable in it. That kind of shows you who the real person is. That's what his passion is. So that's, that stood out to me. And that's, that's big because that kind of shows that this is a guy who, you know, we see the football player, we see the football plays, and we see the stats, and we see the numbers and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, when he takes those pads off, and he takes the helmet off, he's a real person. And that real person is very dedicated to helping out as many people as he can, whether it's through 
those backpack charities or through scholarships uh, that he's given out to, to students and, and just helping out people just in general. Uh, so yeah, so that's, that's just kind of something that stood out about that quote uh, for me. Yeah. I mean, there was, there was no thinking. It was just straight up. This is what I've done. This is what I'll do. Duncan, you're stepping into a role here where you're potentially placing one of the most popular faces in franchise history in Gerald McCoy. Yeah. Um, what do you know about Gerald? What's your interaction with him? And how do you kind of shed the image that you're kind of taking his spot? I'm definitely not taking Gerald's spot. Uh, Gerald set a stone uh, at this franchise for for many, many years. Very successful, uh, played at a very high level. Uh, I've got a great relationship with him. Uh, The last time we actually spoke was at the Super Bowl, uh, him wishing me best luck. Uh, And so our relationship is good as far as I know. And and the last time we spoke, and I wish him all the best in his his endeavors. Uh, I'm not here to replace him. I'm here to kind of make my own path uh, alongside this team uh, and be uh, a shining emblem of some sort uh, to help get to a winning successful situation. And this is, this is exactly what I wrote about on, on Bucks nation was he he's not replacing McCoy. He's coming in to play defensive tackle. It just so happens. It was the same position that Gerald McCoy played. Gerald McCoy wasn't cut to sign in Dominican Sue and Dominican Sue was signed because the Bucks had to move on from Gerald McCoy. And David, we've talked about it, you know, over and over. If Gerald McCoy wanted to be in Tampa, he had the opportunity and he is not here. That's the long and the short of it. We've talked about it before. We've re- we've referenced his wife's comment on Instagram when she said, you know, these people act like you actually want to stay in Tampa. He didn't want to be here anymore, you know? I get it. Professionally, he's been here for nine years. He's never made the playoffs. He says he wants to go play for a team that wants to or that is able to contend, which makes me wonder why he visited the Ravens. But he wanted to move on. He wasn't going to take a pay cut. The Bucks weren't going to keep him at $13 million. Both sides knew how the other one felt, and he's not here. And Dominican Sue is. So, no, Sue didn't replace McCoy or displace McCoy, or however you want to phrase it. He's here <clears throat> because he plays a position where there was an opening, and he plays it at a high level. So, you know, they're two different people, both on the field and off. They are two different styles of players. They, you know, people are going to compare because they want to compare. But at the end of the day, if Indomitian and Sue plays his butt off, has a good season and the Bucks make the playoffs, then who cares anymore? I've gotten to the point where I'm sick of hearing about McCoy. I'm sick of talking about McCoy. He's gone. If he plays the Bucks this season, we'll talk about it. If he goes to the Panthers, yeah, that's noteworthy because now he's going to play them twice. If he goes to the Browns or Ravens, well, maybe we'll see him in three years. That's the long and the short of it. He's not replacing McCoy. He's filling a void on the roster that was going to be there no matter what. Uh, exactly. Uh, and Domkin Sue is a Buccaneer because Gerald McCoy is not. It's not that Gerald McCoy is not a Buccaneer because Indomitian Sue is. I mean, he's replacing Gerald McCoy in the sense that you are losing a marquee, you know, big name player, Pro Bowl caliber player at the defense tackle position. And this is the new one that has been brought in. And of course, there's the ties between their draft classes and everything else that kind of makes this link work so well. But 
this isn't a situation where the Buccaneers sat down and said, Indominus Sue is available. Let's get rid of Gerald McCoy to bring in Sue. That's just, that's not how it went down. Um, so in that light, which I think is the context that most people are talking about when they're talking about Sue replacing McCoy, that's not how this, this whole thing transpired. Um, and if you're, if you're talking about Sue replacing McCoy, i.e., or in the reference of Sue is a defensive tackle who came in and filled a roster spot vacated by another defensive tackle. Okay, yes. But that's not how most people are bringing this up when they're saying that Sue is replacing McCoy. So I think the way that Sue answered it is is very respectful, for one, and it's accurate as well because they also don't do the same things. Something that wasn't in this quote but really stood out as well is Indominus Sue talked about moving the offensive line. Whereas Gerald McCoy's career has really been based off of penetrating the offensive line. And they're two different things because when you move the offensive line, now you're moving the pocket, you're moving the block points. So when you talk about like a running back, if a running back is expecting to make a cut, you know, three steps after receiving the ball, but instead of doing that, they have to make that cut one and a half steps or two steps in because the offensive line has been moved back into his lap the way that as as the way that Sue put it. That changes things. It changes people's play style. It changes their running style and can impact things on a greater a greater scale. Whereas a player like Gerald McCoy, who has such a fast get off, what that allows him to do most oftenly when he when he wins is it allows him to get into the backfield faster. Well, depending on where the play is going and how the play is going, that may not affect the overall play as many times as displacing the offensive line will. If because of Ndamukong and Vita Vea in the middle, the Buccaneers are able to literally displace the offensive line more often than not. That will help them win games because that will throw off so many different mechanics of what an offense is trying to do. No offense plans on snapping the ball and then having their pocket or their blocking scheme shrink by two yards. All right. Well, David, before we move on to the next quote, of course, we have to give a shout out to our good friends over at Grip Six Belt. Today's show is brought to you in part by Grip6, ultra lightweight with no holes, no flap, and it will make a great Father's Day gift. Just go over to Grip6 for a special offer at grip6.com forward slash lock. That's L-O-C-K-E. David, let's bring on our next quote. You're 32 years old. You haven't missed a game due to injury at all. Mm-hmm. How much longer do you think you can play or want to play in the NFL? Uh, I will go back to a Jim Rome interview with uh, Tony Gonzalez. And uh, I will never forget these words Tony Gonzalez said is that mentally uh, all is what's going to mentally and physically are the two things that are going to allow me to play, continue to play this game at a high level. But mentally is where I'm going to find myself wanting to retire. Uh, and so for me, physically, I think I can play as long as I want to. Uh, and I think the team that I have uh, that works with me day in, day, in and day out uh, affords me that as well as the hard work that I put in in the offseason. Uh, so it's from a mental aspect and, and really having aspirations that I have outside of, of sports. Uh, and that's really in the business world. I've been fortunate enough to have some amazing uh, mentors. And so it's when I decide I'm really looking for an opportunity to to kind of move in a different direction and have a, a, my main focus in life being business uh, and entrepreneurship and whatnot. Yeah, I mean, those are, those are the two sides of football. It's the mental side and the physical side. And so if Sue believes that he can play as long as he wants to, it's just a matter of how long his mind is going to be in it, then, you know, Maybe maybe this is his last hurrah. Maybe this is his final season. Maybe he does have a great year and the Bucks go to the playoffs and he says, you know what, we got something special. 
I want to be here for two more years. We have we have something in the works. There's something brewing here, and I want to continue to be a part of it. That's the mental side. That's where he's his brain is telling him, you know, you you need to keep doing this. You want to keep doing this. It's when it's when he gets the um, I can't think of a good player example, um, but when he starts to wake up in the morning and dread going dread going to work. Or a season ends and he's like, man, I don't really know if I want to do this anymore. That's when, once you start getting those thoughts, it's too late. You can't ramp yourself back up after that. So I agree, man. I mean, and his track record shows that barring any any freak accidents happening, you know, his body holds up wonderfully during the season. And that goes back to, David, what we talked about with, you know, taking a playoff here or there, or maybe not giving maximum effort because it does preserve his body. and and you get into a situation where you're playing in January and you look at how well Sue played in January last year for, for the Rams, you know, that's because he does take care of his body and he does prepare himself for the long haul. So you, you can't question the physical side. It's, it's purely the mental side. And I don't, I don't think we're going to have a situation with Sue where he's, he's retiring at halftime of a, of a week five game. Like we saw in Buffalo once he signs on the dotted line, he's committed for that year, and he wants to be part of a team, and he wants to be playing on Sundays. But it's just going to be a matter of getting into an offseason where he decides, you know what, I have I have ventures that I want to get into in business. I now have a, a, a beautiful wife. We want to start a family. I want to be home with my kids. Yeah, and he's got plenty of money to be able to do that. So, yeah, I mean, I – this could be Sue's last year, or he may be a buck for the next four. Who knows? You know, so it really got me thinking about the contrast in players. So when you talk about younger players, you really want that hunger, right? You you need the players who almost have, are starving to play football. And it reminded me kind of a Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber is, is very, very much a guy who came out of Auburn to go into the NFL because he needed to take care of his family. His family was in a certain situation, and he needed to help take care of his family. So he was driven by a family need to be successful, to make it to a team, to get NFL money. Um, even you know, low-end undrafted NFL money is a solid amount, a good amount, a lot of money to some people, um, especially for a one-year paycheck. But then as they get older, you in your veteran players, you want guys who want to play because the physical toll that it takes on your body, you know, come week 15, 16, postseason, you need a veteran guy who not only has – kind of the professional ability to understand how to pace himself throughout a season, take care of his body, but at the same time has that hunger and that desire. And Indominus is very much a guy who doesn't need football. He wants football. And so I just kind of thought the contrast was funny. And then the final thought, honestly, that I had with Indominus is this dude, like he is extremely intelligent. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it and inspired me to do a little bit more research on him. Uh, something I didn't know, and I don't know how many of our listeners know or even that, that you knew, he's he's got an engineering degree from Nebraska. Like, yeah. His major was in engineering, not in communications or, you know, and not, not listen, my I have a degree in communications. So when I say it that way, if you get offended, sorry, but I have one too. So I don't know. I can say it. Um, I mean, the dude that's that, he's got his charitable found his foundations in the work that he does in the community, in all the communities that he's been into. Uh, I found some other things. He's in some some business fellowships and some he's on some boards. And I mean, this dude, he this guy like Namakasu is going to be successful no matter what he does. 
So at this point in time, he is playing football because he wants to play football. Now, don't get me wrong. The money I'm sure is good and, and he's happy to take the paycheck. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like if he didn't, if he, if he woke up tomorrow and nobody wanted to sign him, he's not one of these veteran players. And, and unfortunately there are some who might break down and be like, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? This guy has a plan. This guy knows. I read an article and there was somebody who kind of specializes in helping NFL players transition back to the real world, quote unquote. And he said that Indom Kasu might be the most prepared guy that he's ever dealt with, that he's ever worked with. So, I mean, when you talk about Indom Kasu, like he's got such a reputation, just kind of like a wild animal. Like this dude is very developed. He's a very intelligent person. And he kind of reminds me, and I know we're past the Avengers Endgame release. And if you haven't seen it, I, I don't know what to tell you. He reminds me of Dr. Hulk. So that's what I call Endgame Hulk. Oh, Professor when you, when Hulk. You, yeah, okay. Is that what people, I call him Dr. Hulk. I don't know. So Professor Hulk. So when you look at the the evolution of Hulk, the character, right? From Ed Norton Hulk to Endgame, Professor Hulk, apparently. I call him Dr. Hulk. That kind of like honestly, I kind of it kind of looks like in Dominican Sue, because even in Ed Norton Hulk, there is this genius person, intel highly intelligent, highly functioning person behind the beast. But what is everybody there to see? Everybody's there to see the beast. Everybody's there to see the anger. Everybody's there to see. And what do you see? You see someone who is a valuable part of the team, true, but at times is hard to control and at times kind of oversteps certain boundaries. But then as they develop, they develop into a guy who has a bigger impact on the overall storyline. And he becomes some like in the movie, he becomes part of like a counselor to, you know, some of the other team members and, and so on and so forth. But there's always still kind of that raw energy, you know, behind behind the mask. And then here we are in the culminating stage where you see this dude who's kind of a balance of both. Like he's got the ability when he, and he mentioned it in the press conference between the white lines, when he steps in there, it's, it's, it almost reminded me of character actors. Like when he steps into the football field, he becomes the beast. But then when he steps off the field, he becomes a professor. And now in his veteran stage, he's been, he's, he can be both at the same time. There's not this dramatic morph. He can come out there and attack a player. And like I said, in one of our last episodes, come out there to take this dude's paycheck. But at the same time, he can do it from an intellectual standpoint where now he kind of understands some of the concessions he has to make from his youth in order to stay on the field, in order to stay effective for his team. Something else that I stumbled upon that I really wanted to get out to people because there, there there's going to be guys who are just against the Indominus Sioux signing no matter what happens. But the last thing I want to say, because one of the biggest things is if he was that great of a player, that great of a teammate, he never would have left Detroit. And I can't believe we let go of Gerald McCoy to save $3 million stinking dollars. The Detroit Lions, so he got $60 million guaranteed from the Miami Dolphins. The Detroit Lions at the 11th hour offered him 58. The Detroit Lions did not want Indominus Sioux to leave. They just didn't jump as high as the Dolphins did. And the Miami Dolphins paid Indominus Sioux at the time was the richest defensive contract in the history of the National Football League. He got paid more money than J.J. Watt. Now, obviously, it didn't work in Miami. But this isn't a guy who wasn't wanted by the Detroit Lions. He talked about Coach Washburn. That was one of his coaches in Detroit. This isn't a guy who doesn't build relationships with people. You talk about Todd Bowles, a guy who wanted him in New York. And you talk about the Miami Dolphins. When the Miami Dolphins released him, their own words were, this, isn't, this is a money situation, not an Indomitian Sioux situation. Talk about the Los Angeles Rams and the fact that Less need, same thing. It's not an Indominus Sioux situation. It's a financial situation and the fact that we need younger players on our roster because we've already got some senior veterans. And then you look at the Buccaneers bringing them in. 
I mean, you've got Sean McVay who's successful. Detroit, who was on an uptick during that time and time during that time frame. Miami, who had some excitement around their team when they were trying to put all that stuff together, they kind of disassembled themselves. That's a whole other story. And now you got Bruce Arians. I mean, there are so many smart football people who want and Dominican Sue on their team that it's mind-boggling to me for our own fans to not be on board with this type of a move, considering the amount of evidence that you can go out and find if you just look for it to show you that Dominican Sue, yes, had some some serious transgressions in his past, which he acknowledged himself. But since those transgressions and since he's learned those lessons, has developed into a player who is still aggressive as hell between the white lines, but he's cleaner about it, smarter about it, less penalized about it, and is a guy that people want on their team. So you should be happy about it. You don't have to be happy about the way things went down with Joe McCoy because the two are not connected other than the fact that Dominican Sue plays the same position as this other player did. I don't know. Those are just kind of my last observations from from looking, from researching Dominican Sue because like most of our listeners, they probably didn't dig too much into him before You know, he got tied to the Bucks. Neither did I. So I started digging, and man, I'm impressed uh, with what I have found. Um, yeah, so that's 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 kind of my my uh, dying declaration on the Indomitian Sioux soapbox. <laughs> no, but it's it's great info. And you know, while while you brought up Professor Hulk, I was trying to figure out what we could name him, how we could merge the name, and all I could think of was the Incredible Sulk, and that just sounds like he's sad all the time. So you know what I thought of? So here's the name that I thought of, but it's not Avengers word. That's why I kind of went away from it was in bit, like on the football. So off field, he's in Dominican Sioux, right? Mild mannered, wine tasting, tennis watching, soon to be husband on the field. He's in Dominican Kong Sioux. Oh, there you go. I like that's it. what I came up with, but they're not Avengers linked. So I don't know. <clears throat> All right. Well, David, before we get out of here, we, um, you know, I, I made a promise that if people left us iTunes reviews, we would read them. We have gotten a few. We're just going to touch on one right now. We'll get to the other ones uh, later this week. But this review comes in from Fresh Start 49. Five stars. Title says, Displaced TB Bucks fan. I am a diehard, in quotations, 1976 Bucks fan living in Ashland, Kentucky. In general, the podcast dropping every morning is amazing. Really like getting the daily updates of my favorite team. Your take on the Gerald McCoy situation makes a lot of sense. Great job, fellas. Keep it coming. And, of course, you can leave us your iTunes reviews. And if you do, please give us five stars. It helps other Buccaneers fans find us. And we will read it and react to it on the air. But if you are not an iTunes user, even if you are an iTunes user or an iPhone user, but you don't really like to use iTunes, check out our friends over at Himalaya. Look, Himalaya, it's free. It's really easy to use. And they have all the podcasts that that you're looking for. You guys can, if you download Himalaya and you listen to us on there, you can follow us and you can like the episodes. You can't do the reviews and everything like we do on iTunes, but you can show your appreciation by clicking a like on particular episodes or podcasts. So it's really, really a lot of fun. Make sure you download the Himalaya app over on the App Store or on the Google Play Store. And don't forget to follow Locked on Bucks once you're there. Please send us your voicemails to 813-444-5841. We will make sure to get to some more voicemails later on this week. Check out everything David and I are doing over at BucksNation.com. Please make sure you're following along on Twitter at Locked on Bucks. 
at jarco underscore bucks, at dh82 underscore bucks, and at bucks underscore nation. Hope you all have a safe, wonderful, enjoyable day, and thank you so much for joining us right here at Locked On Bucks. Forfeit the game before somebody else takes you out of the frame. Put your name.